Good morning, everyone. Like I mentioned in the announcement video, my name is Jonathan Newfeld, and I'm an associate pastor here at Duran Church. And today I'll be speaking on mentorship. Whether you have had a mentor or have mentored someone in your life, I think we all understand the concept of mentorship. Mentorship is a relationship which provides a more experienced or more knowledgeable person to guide someone who is younger than them in, in different ways. And this goes on as well as a spiritual mentor. It's having someone who is grounded in their faith, mentoring someone who needs help, guidance in their life, in their spiritual walk with Christ. Throughout the Bible, in terms of mentorship, it doesn't directly get used, that word, but the concept is still biblical as the word mentor is defined as a wise and trusted counselor or teacher. We can see examples early on in the Old Testament as Jethro mentored Moses, and Moses mentored Joshua, Eli mentored Samuel, Samuel mentored Saul and David. And the list goes on and on. And as you can tell, someone who was mentored typically mentors someone to take their place. And this isn't just an Old Testament idea either. As you can see, the term disciple is used numerous times throughout the New Testament, and a disciple is a follower or student of a teacher or leader. And in our case, as believers, we are disciples of Jesus. Though this sermon isn't part of the series that we just ended, I think mentorship ties in well with this idea that we are uniquely made. As believers, God designed us in his own image and in his own likeness, and now our mission as believers is to mirror Christ to all those we encounter. As Jesus says in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So even though we are all made different, we might all have different jobs and different schoolings and a different calling in our life, but regardless of those differences, we all have that same commission, the great commission in life as believers, which is to make disciples of all nations. And one way we can do this is through mentorship. But before we continue on, let's just, uh, let's just take a time to, to pray. God, I want to thank you for today. I want to thank you that even though we are not together in this building, Lord, we are still together um, regardless of our situation, Lord. Thank you for the church. Thank you for the body of believers. And thank you for your word. Your word is still true today, just as much as it was on the first day, Lord. Um, your truth is still, still true. It is still just alive and well and, and living in and through us, Lord. And I pray as we spend time in your word that we would live it out in all circumstances, in all ways. And Lord, that we would be able to mirror this to others. We would be able to walk alongside others and just display your character, your godly character to them in their life, Lord. So thank you for the way that you provide for us, the way you strengthen us, the way you, you just show us what is needed daily in, through your word, Lord. Amen. Mentorship is a broad topic, as mentoring will look different in every single relationship. So there isn't just one illustration that could sum up everything when it comes to mentorship in each of our lives. But I can tell you that there is a need for mentorship, and we can all play our part. And that's including myself. We can all play a part when it comes to mentoring. And it's not about how many people we can mentor or how big our impact can be, but it's about using our time. It's about using our wisdom, about using our skills and our gifts to mentor somebody, to walk alongside somebody else. So in our sermon today, I want to look at three questions that often get asked when we look at mentorship, which are who we should mentor, why we should mentor, and lastly, how we should mentor. Paul, who mentored Titus, wrote to him giving direction in a matter of who we should mentor. In Titus 2, 1-8, it says, 
You, who, you however, must teach what, I, which, what is appropriate to, and to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge younger women to live, to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set, set them as examples by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned, so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. In this, Paul is urging those who are older to teach those who are younger, that men should display biblical character to encourage younger men, and that women should display biblical character to younger women. To all of us, Paul stressed the importance of building up our spiritual life as believers so we can have a best defense against error. Paul is speaking to those who are older. So in our minds, we might think elderly, but this can literally apply to all of us. We are capable of mentoring, teaching, and walking alongside those who are younger than us. And if mentoring is something you are passionate about, maybe you don't and maybe you don't know where to begin, a way to get a taste for this and just a feel for what mentorship would look like is through youth ministry. And I'm not saying this just because in youth we always need more leaders, but, but it is just a safe environment, a great way to mentor teens when they come to church. On average, with junior youth and senior youth, we have over 120 teens come to the church every single week. And what a blessing it is to be a part of that. And it's not that you will make a personal connection with each and every single teen, but if I guarantee you that if you put effort to be intentional with this time, with this time spent with them, you will be able to mentor and walk alongside teens in their daily life. So when we ask the question of who we should mentor, it's not simply an answer of anyone or just someone younger, but it's a matter of praying and asking God for an opportunity to walk alongside someone else in faith. It won't always be easy. Mentoring isn't always glamorous, but once you become a mentor, it will not only benefit that person, but it has a huge benefit in your own life, displaying that biblical character in your life. And that brings me to the next question is, why should we mentor? Just like anything else in life, if you want to be good at something or progress in a certain area, it takes time, it takes practice, and often it takes a coach to guide you. If you or your child wants to play an instrument, often you'll sign up for, for lessons, and that requires a teacher in this or if you want to play a sport, or if your children want to play a sport, you sign them up for, for, um, for an event in town, or, or, or a, a, yeah, you sign them up for um, just a, a team sport. And with that, usually it requires a coach to harness those skills to teach them in this way. And similarly, in our own life, in our spiritual life, yes, we have pastors to teach the Word of God, but we need people to be mentors so they can show younger ones how to now live out this faith. We need people to live out what it means to be a Christian. And people will see that. And it's about doing that in your daily life and mentoring others in that same way. Mentoring at its core guarantees young people that there is someone who cares about them and assures them they are not alone dealing with the day-to-day struggles. It makes them feel like they matter. Research, conf- research confirms that quality, mentorship rela- quality mentoring relationships have powerful, positive effects in a young person in a variety of ways, such as uh, personal, spiritual, academic, and professional situations. 
Young adults with a mentor are 55% less likely than their peers to skip a day of school. Young adults with a mentor are 78% more likely to volunteer on a regular basis. Young adults with a mentor are 130% more likely to be in leadership as they grow up. And 90% of young adults who are mentored are interested in mentoring someone else when they grow up. Being a mentor to someone creates a positive ripple effect because it gives, someone, so it gives you someone to affirm and encourage them. It gives them accountability and a role model. It's a listening ear and support and advice. And when we become a spiritual mentor in someone's life, we are placing mentorship in the most important area. It's our spiritual walk. It's, it's our, our time with Christ. It's growing in our faith, and we are placing importance in that. And mentoring can be very intimidating, especially if you've never had a mentor or never been, never been in this situation. But whether you believe it or not, we all have a tool. God has given us a tool to mentor others, and that is our story. We all have a past and have, have, have had a moment where we had to realize that we are in need of a savior. Whether it was recently we gave our life to Christ or whether it was when we were a teenager, we all have our story and it can be an encouragement to others. Um, we have a senior youth leader that's, that is in ministry right now and they've had a difficult past. They've been through a lot in their life and I'll never forget the moment that they were able to use their story to encourage another hurting teen. This leader never thought their story could be used to make a difference or to speak into someone's life at all. They thought it was just their life and what they had to go through. But God used it to help someone who was hurting. God used our brokenness. God uses our brokenness, our messiness as a redemption story. And that can be used for someone else. Praise be to, to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comforts, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. So why should we mentor? God calls his disciples to make disciples, which can involve mentoring. And God gives us, God, God gave us each our own story and our own way to, to mentor others, to speak into other people's lives. And if it could be the exact thing that you need to hear. Hearing your story could be the exact thing that someone else needs to hear at that time and just let them know that it will be okay. God uses our story of grace and forgiveness to help others in their trials. And if you're ever wondering if your story matters, if your story makes a difference, the best way to know is by sharing it with someone else. Sharing your story with someone else that might need to hear it. And now the last question and the bulk of our sermon today is, how should we mentor the question of how to mentor is often the thing that holds us up when it comes to this. With every individual, it will look different, but I'm thankful that we have scripture in our life and, and the life and teaching of Jesus to be our example in this. The most obvious example of mentorship in scripture is the role that Jesus played while discipling his followers. And from this, we see, we see his actions and we can gain a better understanding of how to mentor others. And these fundamental um, keys to mentorship. If you look at Luke 9, we see the account of Jesus sending out his disciples. And from this, we can see this model that Jesus displays. In Luke 9, 1 to 6, it reads, When Jesus had called the twelve together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he, send, he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the, for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, and no extra shirt. 
Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake off the dust. Shake, shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went to village from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. From this, we can see that Jesus gathered in a small group and trained them. And in this small group, it's, it's intentional. He didn't do this on accident. He didn't have this core group just by, by a fluke. It was on purpose. It's the same way we do with Sunday school, same way we do with, with our youth ministries. We have small groups. If you don't have, if, if your group gets too large, it becomes very hard to direct, hard to lead, and it's hard to even be intentional in that time. So Jesus mentored them by training them and sending them out. And a few verses later, we see that after the disciples return, Jesus takes time to debrief with them, to, to meet with them, to see how things went. Continuing on in chapter 9, verse 10, it says, When the apostles returned, they, retur- they reported to Jesus what they had done. Then he took them with him, and they withdrew by themselves to a town called Bethsaida. And this isn't the only time that Jesus does this. We actually see this in another account in the next chapter, as Jesus sends out the 72. And this is just one approach that, that we can see from Jesus as he mentors. Another approach that I really like and something that um, one of my favorite stories actually in scripture is with Jesus um, washing the disciples' feet. In John 13, we read of this account of Jesus washing the disciples' feet as he knew his time with them was, was very short. His time remaining with them was not too, too much left. There was not too much time left remaining for this. So in John 13, 4 to 8, it says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothes, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. I love the symbolism here of that servant leadership we see from Jesus. I'll never forget the experience I had at graduation from Steinbeck Bible College, what was very similar to this. I went to SBC for three years, and during that time there, I took several courses for youth ministry with Professor Garth Friesen. Early on in my time there, Professor Garth in a class offered the opportunity for anyone to take up mentorship. He asked, does anyone want to have a mentor in their life? I'm willing to take this up if you'd like. So I took him up on the offer, and for about two years, I would meet with him for, I would meet with him every other week for about half hour or so, and we would just talk about, um, talk about life, talk about my studies, talk about relationships, and, and then we'd, we'd pray together. We'd always end up praying together afterwards, and this was just a great opportunity for me to learn what mentorship looks like, but I'll never forget the part that set everything apart, which was graduation. On the day of graduation, all the students and professors met up early for this, for this event as a final send-off. But something that I was not prepared for, that I was not expecting at all, was the foot washing. And I'll never forget the moment that my mentor, and yes, my professor, washed my feet. It was such a humbling experience that the professor would wash my feet. And, and the professors did this for all the students. But what a great example of mentoring. In John 13, Um, Picking up from verse 12, it says, When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to this place, to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them, You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, 
you also should wash one another's feet. I set you an example that you should do as I have done. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that I, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. With this utmost, with, with this, Jesus plays just an utmost humility, just displays that, displays what it meant to be a serve, a server, a mentor that serves in this way, and just experiential leadership. In this event, yes, Jesus is washing the disciples' feet. And I'm not saying that if you become a mentor, now you have to wash someone else's feet. That's not what I'm getting at. But it's about humility in the way that we serve, in the way that we mentor. He didn't just teach them. He didn't just say, this is what you need to do. Jesus showed them. He gave them direction and then showed them what to do. And in this, we see shortly after that Jesus says, now it's your turn to do this again. In verses 34 to 35, he says, a new commandment I give you, love one another, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciple if you love one another. And it was with this, all this mentoring and discipling, that Jesus was preparing his disciples to continue on what he did. And if you remember what I said earlier, 90% of young adults who are mentored find the need to mentor someone else. It's the exact same thing that Jesus did in his ministry. It was preparing them. And after Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus goes back to his disciples again and encourages them to continue on in his ministry. In John 20, 21 to 22, it reads, Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As your Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and received the Holy Spirit. And said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus, Jesus prepared the ones he mentored to continue on with his work. And our goal in mentoring should be the same. We can see from Jesus' work that he taught the disciples, he sent them out, and then called them back. Jesus prepared them for ministry, what he was doing, and to follow out that afterwards in their mentoring. Another example of mentoring, and this is one that we might feel more comfortable with, is that one-on-one -on -one mentorship, that one-on-one that -on -one, um, mentorship in their life. And this is modeled out by Paul as he mentors Timothy. Paul met Timothy in Lystra, uh, Lystra and upon meeting him, he began to mentor him, and he took him on his journey. Paul mentored him and, and would travel with him from town to town and delivering, and with this, they were delivering the good news to these towns. And this led to churches being strengthened daily in their faith. As Paul continues on with his mentoring, you see that in his letters that he is now treating Timothy as, as he would treat a parent, or a parent would treat, teach, would, would treat a son. Paul is mentoring him and it keeps on growing and growing. And in this, you can kind of see two stages of Paul's mentorship with Timothy. You have the parenting and then you have the partnership. Now, at the beginning of, of, of his mentorship, we see Paul treats him as, as a parent would treat a, a child. And in First and Second Timothy, you see him address him in this way, saying, the son, my son in faith. And Timothy's biological father was Greek, but there is no evidence that he was a Christian. So what Paul is doing is he's taking on that role of his father figure in his life, that positive role model. And having a positive role model, that positive figure in your life is huge. It is huge. And what a positive role model does is it gives someone just that, that person to affirm them, to encourage them, to see their potential, to see their strength, to see their giftings. It gives them someone to pour into. And, and we see this with Paul and Timothy. Nathan Williams wrote in an article of the power of encouragement stating, researchers have investigated the phenomena of how encouragement affects the development of the brain. 
their findings show that encouragement is spoken in spoken word and even facial expressions has a significant effect on the development of the brain. Children who have support are praised and encouraged by their parents have a brain that is better structured for learning and handling stressful situations, which may which they may encounter later on in life. It also goes on to say, science confirms that what the Lord already knew, that humans need encouragement in order to fulfill to are to fully develop. Hearing continues hearing continued encouragement for um, from those closest to us produces a response in our brain which gives us the ability not only to handle difficult situations, but also to have a correct emotional response in these events. The power of encouragement lies in this, that it can change the way that we think about ourselves, change the way we think about our circumstances, and change the way we think about Christ. It can increase our trust in God. Think about all the times that you were encouraged. Think about all the times that you were encouraged by someone who was older than you and how that affected your own life. Paul is is taking that position of a positive role model in Timothy's life. And you see this in the example as he encourages Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 12 to 16. He says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Do not neglect your gifts, which which was given to you through prophecy, when the body of elders laid their hands on you. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Persevere in them because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul encourages Timothy to no end. Don't let people look down on you because you're young. Don't forget to use your giftings and devote yourself to the gospel. In reading this, you can see Paul believes in Timothy's potential. He, he really believes in what Timothy can do. And without this positive role model, without that influence in Timothy's life, who knows where Timothy would end up. All it takes is someone to acknowledge your potential, to acknowledge what you are made to be and what God created you to be, what he designed you to do. And we just finished looking at our unique identity, our mission, and our position in these past few weeks. And for many of us, we're still wrestling with this. What does this mean for our life? How do we go from here? What should we be thinking and how should we live? But imagine if you had someone like Paul in your life. Imagine if you had someone like Paul in your life that was teaching you in these ways, that was speaking truth into your life. How would that change your thoughts? How would that change the way you lived? How would that change the way that you now understand these things? how would that change your life if you had a positive influence like Paul in your life? And now kind of change the perspective. Imagine if you could be the Paul in someone else's life. Imagine now if you were Paul and you could speak truth into someone else's life. You could be the one that gives them direction. You could be the one that gives them um, just that positive encouragement to help them find their identity, to help them find their mission, to find their position. Imagine if you were the one speaking biblical truth into someone else's life. We have a tremendous opportunity to share biblical truth in the next generation. We have a tremendous opportunity to share biblical truth in the life of those that come after us. And lastly, along with this first stage of parenting, the second stage Paul and Tim, in Paul and Timothy's mentorship is partnership. You can see that throughout Paul's ministry, as he mentors Timothy, it's no longer just a parent relationship, but it turns into a partnership. We can see this in Romans as Paul makes a reference to Timothy 
in chapter 16, verse 21, as he says, Timothy, my coworker, sends his greetings to you. And this is the hope in every mentorship relationship, mentoring relationship, that one day the person that you mentor will become a partner or a friend. It's not that this will happen every time, but if you are intentional with who you mentor, how you mentor, and why, the reasoning for why you mentor, there's a possibility that you will have a lifelong friendship in the making. And as I wrap up, I just want to close with this central reason as to why we should mentor, which is we can play a part in leading people to become fully devoted followers of Christ. We can play a role in this. Our focus should always be how can we lead individuals in their walk with Christ. And the best way for us to do this is to remain in Christ ourselves, is to remain in the Word of God and to spend time with Him. Like Jesus says in John 15, remain in me as I remain in you. And if you want to be able to mentor godly character, the only way to do that is by spending time with God, is to spend time at the feet of Jesus. If we want to be that spiritual role model, we need to spend time at the feet of Jesus. And when it comes, and when, and when we do this, when, when we do that, we will realize it's not so much about what we can do or what we can say or how we can say things, but what Christ is going to do through us how Christ is going to use us in this situation, how he's going to use us to influence those that are younger, that are struggling in their faith, that are needing a positive role model. We could be the Paul in someone else's life. We could be that positive influence if we take the time and allow God to lead us in this. We all have a chance to mentor somebody. We all have a chance to be that positive influence in someone else's life. Are we willing to take it? Are we willing to lead someone to Christ in that matter? Are we willing to be the hands and feet of Jesus in this situation? to model what he did for us. Let's pray. God, I want to thank you again for today. I want to thank you just for the opportunity to preach, to speak your word, Lord, and to know these truths. And I know right now, yeah, we all need this positive influence in our life. We all need a role model. We all need someone to speak truth into our life as we we go through the chaos, as we go through the struggles, as we go through just the hardships in life, Lord. We all need someone to lean into, Lord. And I pray that along with just a mentor, we we just lean into you, that we gain our strength in you, that we gain our comfort from you, that we look to you in all these situations, Lord. We know that you will give us what we need daily. We know that you will give us what we need in all situations, Lord. So we pray right now to rely on you, that you will be our fortress, our solitude, Lord, that we will remain in you. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I hope that you have a great day and let us continue to pray as a church and stay united. God bless.